morning, everybody in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, and I'm Carrie Lambert, and I welcome you to an online webinar, Evening of Solutions for a New Alberta, brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. Our purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans' businesses and organizations to protect their prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty by empowering the the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. Of course, we wouldn't be able to do this without your help. If this is your first time watching, welcome, and I hope you find this information engaging and wanting to find out more. And if you're a regular APP webinar viewer, thank you for your support. We couldn't do this without you. APP is membership driven with a goal of a million plus members to help steer the political process. APP memberships are one year for $20, two years for $30, three years for $40, or make a donation at albertaprosperityproject.com. We also have APP merchandise at the newly launched albertaprosperitystore.com. So tonight's webinar is entitled, Let's Talk More About the Netherlands. What happens in Europe is coming to North America with our guest, Chris Scott of the Whistle Stop Cafe in beautiful Mira, Alberta. And this is a live webinar, so we encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout this presentation. Just put three question marks before your questions so that it will be flagged and we can quickly view the questions. So now I'm going to bring uh, Chris on, who's obviously reading a, a really in-depth book. There he is. So if you don't know who Chris Scott is, He's a freedom fighter since standing up to the Alberta government and Alberta Health Services and questioning why restaurants and other services should be closed during the Christmas break of 2020. And eventually he forced the government's hand when he opened in late January 2021 and Alberta was finally open in February 8th of 2021, which coincidentally was actually a day after the Super Bowl in which most restaurants and bars should have been open. And since then, he's been speaking about rights and freedoms ever since. So please welcome my compadre that I also do another webcast called The Chris and Carrie Show. This is Chris in The Chris and Carrie Show. How are you doing, Chris? Hello, everybody. It's Chris here from the Muscle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. <laughs> I've heard that before. So I think, you know what, before we even get into the topic of today, I think we should at least make some broad statement about what's happened with APP in the last couple of weeks. And all I really want to say is that if you have been an Alberta Prosperity Project uh, supporter and following, you'll notice that there's been a couple of people or a few people that have resigned. And, uh, and I just like to say on behalf of APP that, you know, shakeups happen. It, uh, you know, people leave for various reasons. And I think, um, especially, I've actually been involved in many, many types of uh, corporate takeovers or corporate uh, buy and sell and uh, and societies that restructuring shrunk and restructure. So don't panic. That's all I can say is don't panic. Uh, APP is still continuing. And I think if, if you know anything about politics, this this to me is kind of, I didn't realize my heater was still on. You might hear that fan going on in the background. I'm in my basement right now. Um, I think it's important to note that the way government is actually kind of uh, set itself up, when you're part of a political party, you can only take in so much money donated by, by each individual person. And I believe it's capped at $4,300 a year, right? Mm-hmm. 
as an uh, educational society that is uh, promoting a certain idea, you could actually take in a lot more. I don't know if there is a cap to that, but there, the, but there's certainly more than $4,300 a person. And I believe yeah, I don't, there is no cap as far as I know. So, so I think it's important to note that if we're going towards this idea of sovereignty or independence or whatever wording you want to have, it's important to have two vehicles doing this. Otherwise, you're relying on just the one vehicle, right? You're relying on just that political party to push that. And in today's economy, today's uh, political landscape, I think it's important to have two of those things going on. So, so the, the way I describe that, Carrie, yeah, yeah, is that in politics, you have two ways of doing things. Well, at least in a very broad way yeah. of looking at it. You can either do what uh, I refer to as the Kenny cronies did yeah. and, and try and get in front of the polls. Yes. You can poll and see what's the popular opinion yeah. and you can get in front of that. That's not leadership. That's called, I, 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 I don't know if I coined the term, but I call it a poll hound. Yeah. Okay. The other option is you can um, be a leader and have a, a, uh, a very brave idea and say, this is where I want to go. And yeah. good leaders will say, this is where I want to go. And they'll they'll encourage others to come with them if their leadership is good and if the message is good. So mm -hmm. when, you can, when you consider political parties, if a political party these days wants to do the right thing, they have to change the hearts and the minds of the people who are going to vote for them. Yes. It's not about changing you know, necessarily what they believe in, but we're, we're changing the way society thinks about themselves and politics. Yeah. Yeah. In order to do that, I don't think a political party can do that. I think the only way this can happen is if an organization like an educational educational society does the legwork and prepares people um, to have their hearts and minds changed. Yeah. And then when when the political vehicle arrives and you have to decide which which politician to support, um, it becomes your duty to choose or vote your conscience and. Uh, if the political parties have done a good job, people will follow them. Yeah. So that, that's likewise, the way I describe this is yeah. APP is working to prepare people's hearts and minds so that uh, the politicians who want to do the right thing and take us to the right place can do it. Yeah. And likewise, it, I know people are asking whether or not uh, there's other versions of APP, Alberta Prosperity Project, like Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan Prosperity Project, BC Prosperity Project, Manitoba. As far as we know, there were certain certain um, provinces that started, like Saskatchewan. I'm not sure what state it's in. And, uh, and I know uh, Northern BC was looking. Um, and I did hear rumors about Manitoba because even... Um, there were a few people that uh, that were talking about that too, um, and I, I got to interrupt you for a second because I'm just seeing sure. some comments that are they're. I'm trying to be patient because I know people have a lot of questions, but it's it's are very frustrating. I'm seeing people ask questions in the form of statement, stating facts and asking questions about the facts they've stated when the facts aren't even real. Okay. So if you want to know more about what's going on with APP, and specifically. Uh, you want to hear from Dr. Modri? Carrie and I will be doing a show shortly after this one. This is going to be a fairly short one because we want to be yeah. starting with uh, our Chris and Carrie show uh, at 8, 8 p.m.-ish, as yeah. close as yeah. we can. And yes. we're going to do our best to dig down to the bottom of this and 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 let you know. Um, yeah. I will say, for the purpose of this webinar, we're talking about something 
altogether different. Yeah. And uh, it's, in my opinion, it's actually more important than who is with APP and the operations team or why people left or whatever. These are the, what Carrie and I are going to talk about tonight is the problem that we're facing that we need to be united in, in fighting against. Yeah. All right. Um, now with the Alberta Prosperity Project, I didn't join the Alberta Prosperity Project and choose to speak on be, on, the, on their behalf and at their meetings and things like that and advocate for them because I wanted to follow Dr. Modry. I mean, I'm great friends. I'm friends with uh, with Dennis, and I think he's an awesome guy, and I would definitely support him. However, I joined APP because I believe that I want Alberta to be prosperous, and I know that Alberta can be prosperous and free through independence, Okay. That's what APP is about. It's not about one person. It's not about four people. It's about the goal of allowing Alberta to prosper either by negotiating a better deal with the federal government or by standing up and saying enough is enough, we're out. That's what we have to remember. So yeah. um, please keep that in mind when Carrie and I start digging into the topic of uh, part two of the Netherlands. What's happening in Europe is coming to North America. Yes. And I, and we might as well just jump right into that because now we're, we're only going to have about half an hour, 35 minutes to get it. So actually what, what I was hoping is that we would have been able to have Jasper on who is uh, Chris's compadre out in uh, the Netherlands and he's unable to make it. So what I did was I uh, put up a video, which I have to apologize. I put the video up uh, on the Chris and Carrie show and uh, assumed it worked. And because uh, it had a lot of views and no comments, but unfortunately the audio is all garbled from it. So I didn't know that until just recently. So uh, I'm going to have to redo that. But in the meantime, I'm going to post, I'm just going to change this. I'm actually doing multiple duties here and um, I'm going to see if I can bring in a post. There we go. That's it. So this, this was a post that was done on uh, February 5th from Jasper. And since then, he's actually talked about a few other things in regards to uh, what's happening over there. I'm just going to start with this and then uh, Chris and I can talk about this too. Hey, it's Jasper. It is. Um, I'm walking slowly. I'm to hoping you can hear it. In Amsterdam. Yep. And uh, let's give you a big view of, uh, of Amsterdam. Yeah, I remember. I was in. I was there. I remember that. So remember that? Central bank digital currency CBDCs. Um, our government and all of the governments are trying to uh, trying to uh, introduce that because basically the financial system is is broke. I can. I hope you can uh, you can hear me because it's uh, it's quite windy out here right now. It's about six degrees. But central bank digital currency. They want to have, um, they want to stop, stop cash money. Uh, in Europe, there are a lot of apps, bank apps already, but they want the governments want to control it instead of the uh, bank and the bank system. So government-based money, so they can tr can control you whatever you're doing because if if you wanna if if how you say it when the government is controlling your money they're controlling your life basically so 
and there is this demonstration going on organized by Sam for Nederland, which translated as Together for the Netherlands. And um, this is the first demonstration this year what they're organizing. Last of September, November, I believe. Um, uh, it's been butchered down by the authorities because they want to have, they had a guest coming over from England and uh, they didn't want to have him here. Maybe you heard of it. I think that was David Ike. <laughs> like the, 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 the guest that they wouldn't allow in. Catherine. And Catherine is uh, uh, a financial woman. She worked on the New York Bank of New York Stock Exchange. And um, the New York Stock Exchange, she went learned a lot about money and how it's been working out and it's going to be loudly right now probably and later on she worked for the first Bush administration for housing and property development so anyways uh, I can uh, I can stop that see, there that's that's kind of it and then they actually go into the um, uh, into the demonstration and then their speeches by a number of people. And that, uh, that person that he was talking about was, I forget her last name. It's Catherine Nesbitt Pitts or something to that effect. I actually lost my notes somewhere in all my, There's a, it's, it's on our, it's on the Whistlestop cafe Facebook page, at the, yeah. but it's probably yeah. like three weeks ago. Yeah. Anyways, it, uh, it yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing that that is happening over there. We've already had somebody to say that he's uh, they're in Cuba and everything has to be done with credit card, no cash. Um, a few weeks ago, I went to a bar. What are the odds of that ever happening? And uh, they actually said to me, Catherine Fitz. Yeah. Uh, they actually uh, told me that they were not taking cash and that uh, everything had to be done in uh, credit card. And, um, and, and basically, I had a bit of an altercation, I guess, with the server, only because I said, well, like, what am I supposed to do? And uh, eventually, I succumbed to that, and I actually paid by debit. But it was rather ridiculous to be put into that position. I will never go to the bar again. Um, and this seems to be more and more. We've all heard about the rumors of, uh, not rumors anymore, Starbucks going uh, all cashless as well which again, to me, is uh, a bit of a, I, I, it, it kind of ticks me off, even in terms of if you're working there, um, everything's got to go into a tip pool. And typically, like if you're working in a restaurant, most people don't even know how tips work. So I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, just because in uh, they don't do tipping in Europe, do they? Chris, do you know? Yeah, they do, yeah. They don't do tipping in uh, Australia because supposedly they they pay their people. I'll be right back, Terry. Well. The dog's scratching. Hold on, okay. I'll be right back. So the idea behind tips, anyways, is that um, you know if you get good service, you, you you typically tip, and then they ask for a certain percentage, and um, you know 
people people say, yeah, I'm a good tipper, I give 10%, or I'm a good tipper and I give 15%. That's great, but it depends on where you're going. If you're going to a chain restaurant, say you're going to, I hate actually using names because it's almost like I'm plugging them but not plugging them. But if you're going to say like an Earl's or, or uh, Original Joe's or something like that, if you do that, basically they take off so much for working the shift typically they they take off so much for the uh the, the staff that maybe works in the kitchen or maybe you've got a serving assistant and that money goes towards that and like and likewise if you're in a small bar maybe that money is actually just put into a pool and then divvied up or you're actually in charge of your own tip as a server and then you dish out what you what you think is 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 good but typically the server itself keeps 10% so if all you're doing is giving 10%, what you're basically doing is you're only giving the money to the server and you're basically not giving it out to the, the serving staff or you're forcing the, the or uh, the kitchen staff, which you're forcing the server is to make that choice as to whether or not they need to be making that and giving it up to be a nice person or whether or not they should actually be taking it and, uh, and not being a nice person, if you want to call it that, but but to me, I've always run into that situation where it's it's it can be awkward if you give less than that. My own personal take is give the eighteen or twenty percent if you've had bad service, and then have a conversation with the uh, with the manager. In this case, I always talk to Chris and tell him that his burgers are absolutely amazing, and I will always tip thirty percent. Oh wow! <laughs> anyway, so that was my little rant while Chris was away. Um, do you have any comments on like, did you see anything in terms of, uh, central bank digital currency? Okay. So yes. Um, okay. I, I actually spoke with the leader of one of the political parties there. And actually, I guess it's not really called a political party. It's called a, it's like a group because yeah. they don't have, they only have, a, they don't have enough people in the government to be called a party yet. So they're called something else, a association or something. But anyway, uh, Vibram van Hakka was his name, and we spoke a little bit about this. And yes, absolutely, Europe and the 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 EU really, uh, at the behest of I would say the the WEF and the United Nations, are rolling out a digital currency. And and Jasper referred to it as a CB. Uh, it's a central bank digital currency. Yeah. Now this might sound great uh, in my business. I've even thought like, hey, how convenient would it be if just everything was electronic? And I didn't have to count my cash. I know, but I couldn't lose cash. Nobody could rip me off. That's great, right? And it is to a point. As long as you have a choice, it's like eating crickets. There's nothing wrong with eating crickets. There's nothing wrong with eating cockroaches, except for it's disgusting. But we have to be able to make the choice because we we just we don't want to be forced to do these things. And being forced to use uh, a, a digital currency over a fiat currency that you can hold in your hand can become very problematic, specifically if you have an issue with the government and say you're standing up against the government. Um, even in Canada, we have fiat currency and the government used our bank accounts and used their control of our own wealth yes. as a tool against us to force us into submission. Yeah. They froze people's bank accounts who donated to truckers who were protesting bad government policy. Mm -hmm. So that's where this gets really bad. Um, in addition to that, when you when you move everything from cash, which we basically control as long as it's on us, like in our wallet, um, there's some more problems. 
So do you enjoy going to a garage sale and buying something from your neighbor and, and just getting a good deal on it? Well, you can kiss that goodbye because now you're going to be probably, I'm not saying for sure, but this is generally the way things go. You'll probably be paying a tax on it. You'll probably pay income tax when you sell items and um, maybe you you make some money on something you buy and sell or whatever. It allows the government leaps and bounds more control over you and your money. We've already seen governments reaching into our pockets to the tune of something like 65 or 70% by the time the dust settles over the last few years. And the, the digital currency is going to allow that to go even further. And that's not even the worst thing. The worst thing is they could literally flick a switch and you no longer have any currency. That's the problem, uh, the big problem that I have. Yeah. So this is happening in Europe. Everywhere you go, if you want to use the transit system, it's it's actually quite wonderful because it's all digital. You simply swipe your uh, debit card or your visa or whatever on the kiosk at the subway or the bus or whatever, and it marks when you went in, and then you tag it when you go out, and marks when you went out. It charges you for using that much of the route. It's super convenient. Um, most convenient. places, yeah, most it's yeah, it's for your own convenience. Most places. You can use your you use your debit card for absolutely everything. You don't have to take cash out of your wallet at all. And I would say that people are mostly comfortable with this and they are poised and prepped for a full-blown digital currency. And um, they do have this, they're starting to build the infrastructure. I talked to a, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, it was an IT guy. And he actually oh, yeah. helps, he's a consultant who helps companies transform into a digital market. Mm -hmm. And he says, this is going to happen and the government is trying to do it and they're going to bungle it up like they always do. Every time the government gets involved in something that the private sector should be doing, it's bungled and it costs way more money. He said, it's going to be an absolute disaster. And he's got a lot of evidence to back that up. Um, after we're done, Carrie, maybe we can go back and we'll just add a comment in as to what the fellow's name was and maybe yeah. try and link it in or something. Cause yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't remember. So yeah. these things are happening in Europe and uh, that's not what brought me over there. What brought me over there was the farmers. Because if you remember being in Ottawa, of course you do. Do you remember seeing the videos of the Dutch farmers protesting as well? And they had Canadian yeah. flags, right? Yeah. They did. Absolutely. They were, they were standing with yeah. us. They were standing up for us. Yeah. They're right side by side with us, pushing back against, what is there were, in there essence even, a globalist agenda? There were truckers in South Africa that even had Canadian flags on theirs. All over the world. So All we see them. these Dutch farmers protesting, and then uh, some time goes by, and I'm looking on on the new on actually it wasn't the news it was Facebook which could be considered the news, but mm -hmm. I saw videos of uh, farmers in their farm equipment protesting, and the government just had zoom booms in there and they're picking them up and flipping them off the road thinking what in the heck is going on here mm -hmm. in the words of uh, in the words of Donald Lee what the hell is going on mm -hmm. so I thought they stood up for us I want to go there and see what's happening Ken Van Ireland that's the fella yeah. I want to go there and I want to find out what's going on I want to talk to some people and see what's happening because I know I've seen it before what's ha what happens in Europe comes to Canada and it usually is pretty quick do you remember Carrie when uh, Europe started taxing carbon and we were like what what are you idiots doing why are you taxing plant food? We saw that. We saw it happening. And then a year or two later, it comes here. Europe goes crazy putting in solar stuff and windmills. Next thing you know, are we've got this hideous windmill fiasco in southern Alberta and creeping all over Alberta. Mm -hmm. Europe 
starts using taxpayer money to subsidize green initiatives that could never stand on their own two, two feet because they're not sustainable, they're not economical, and they're not feasible. And we yeah. say, how could you do this? Why would you do this, Europe? You're shooting yourselves in the foot. Next thing you know, it comes to Canada. Now, Europe is trying to push, the, the, the European Union is trying to push digital currency. They are putting um, climate policy, the, it's 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 redonkulous what they're doing with their climate policy. They're they're saying, and we're saying here, we must be net zero carbon dioxide at all costs, at all costs. Now, and in now Europe, you say you say we're we're saying that, but who's actually saying that? When I say we, I mean I say we as a collective group of people in this country who voted for a government who is taking us down a, a path of of destruction in the name of climate fanaticism that's what i mean by we you know unfortunately democracy and and unity means that you can succeed together but you also fail together yeah. so if canada fails we all fail it's not just those who are trying to take us down that path that's what i mean when i say we yeah. we are going down this path as canadians and as albertans yeah and again uh, you know thinking in terms of we're voting in these uh, representatives, and um, but we're voting. We're. I'll I'll just make a bold statement here that I think the majority of the people that vote are uneducated voters, and the reason I say that is because they are the ones that go to the polls who may have just picked up a pamphlet, and it's either blue or red or orange or whatever, and they're basing it based their vote on whatever color they happen to like at the time. Believe it or not, there's people in this country who will vote for somebody who no. will put the future of the country at risk because they like someone's hair. Yes, absolutely. And that's the, that's the thing about APP that I like is that we have to Your keep hair. educating. No, I don't like hair. I like my hair. Hey, you don't, you're not showing off your troll doll hair. no, my hair is, <laughs> it was a disaster. So the only thing I could do with it was put on a hat. And I want people to know that I'm wearing an APP hat because I 100% fully support the Alberta Prosperity Project and what their goal is and what they're trying to do for Alberta, regardless of who is on the leadership team. So we got probably about uh, 20 more minutes here. So I've got a couple of other topics. Do you want to talk any more about farming and Absolutely, what you saw yes. over there? Yeah. So I'll do my best to quickly rant uh, uh, away at what's happening in Europe. So in the name of climate fanaticism, this uh, this ideological blunder of a path they're going down towards net zero at all costs, they are doing things like telling they're telling grain farmers or, uh, uh, you know, like cereal grain farmers that they have to cut their nitrogen fertilizer use by 30 percent. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's here in Canada. This is coming to Canada. And and they They're, really just arbitrarily picked the number. It's an arbitrary from what, number. From what and this I've number read. Is been, has been used in other places. This is all over the globe. And you would think if this was a scientific thing, that they yeah. would be taking regional differences into consideration, but they're not. Sri Lanka was exposed to this a few years ago. They told the Sri Lankan farmers they had to cut their, their nitrogen fertilizer use by 30%, yeah. and it yeah. devastated the economy. Their GDP yeah. dropped by 14%, yeah. 14% almost overnight to, in, in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, economics. Yeah. It, I wanted it, to, 
Go ahead. <laughs> it was so bad. No, this gets me really fired up. Get this, yeah. Carrie. It was so bad that the people actually revolted and they overthrew the government. It was it, was, it wasn't a pretty sight. I don't know all the details, but it was nasty. Yeah. The government toppled and they they had to say, okay, well, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. I think they even drugged the the president or prime minister or something out of their home or something like this, something yeah. crazy. Well, yeah. I will have to look it up later. But anyway, this policy was in Sri Lanka. It devastated them. As we know, it will devastate any agricultural based um, region on the planet. If you if you reduce the amount of fertilizer farmers can use, you're going to reduce their crop output. You're going to in, you're going to impact their bottom line, and many of them will not be able to continue farming. When I was in yeah. Holland, I talked to farmers who were who were having these policies pushed on them, and they say they they told me with these policies, I won't be a farmer anymore in three years. They can't afford it. Yeah, and it's not just grain. It's not just the, it's not just nitrogen fertilizer. Uh, the dairy farmers. The dairy farmers a few years ago in Holland, they, the government told them, you have to change the floors of your barns so that you can more effectively deal with the animal's waste. Farmers said, okay, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars upgrading their facilities. You know, it was tough for them. It was a crunch, but they did it. And they're, 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 they're back to business. And now the government's saying, okay, well, now you got to upgrade your floors again. And you have to make it so that your floors have kind of almost like a check valve. So when the cow poops, It'll yep. open up and the poop and the pee go down through into the floor and then it closes back up so that no ammonia gas. That sounds quite really. mechanical and quite expensive. Very expensive, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So then the farmers have to have this all in a contained system and has to be stored in tanks and get this. They're not allowed. They're forbidden under these new policies uh, to use their own animal waste as fertilizer for their crops on their farm. They can only sell it or, or give it away or dispose of it on other farms. It makes zero sense. Yeah. Fishermen, same thing. You see in the in the sea there, just kind of the North Sea? Um, the people in, in uh, the Netherlands, fishing is, it's thousands of years old there. I mean, that's, it, it, that's what they, it's what they do. And they should be around a long make, time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So they're, they're good fishermen. Um, now, the numbers that I got when I was there was there there were uh, 90 commercial fishing vessels. I mean, this is a pretty small country. It's smaller than Alberta, right? There were 90 commercial fishing vessels. And the government went to these fishermen and said, okay, well, you're going to have to change your fishing boats. And um, we're going to have to, you're going to have to follow these policies because climate change. And part of it was the fishing boats were said to be disturbing the seafloor bottom. So we can't do that because we can't disturb nature. So that so the the fishermen who already upgraded their engines and things like that to meet the new APA standards, now they have to spend more more money on preventing seafloor erosion and this and that. Okay, well we can't do it. What are we going to do? And the government steps in and says, "Don't worry, we got your back. We'll buy your fishing boat from you. We'll buy your license, and you can just retire." Ah, but sign on the dotted line that you can never be a fisherman again in Holland. Mm -hmm. And they took their boats and scrapped them. Well. How many would how many fishermen would do this? Like probably maybe only 10 or 20 of the boats would not be able to afford the upgrades, right? Yeah. 76. At the time I was there. Out of service, scrapyard, done, never to return to fishing again. And this is happening in every agricultural industry in Holland, in the Netherlands. And I'm sure this is happening happening across Europe. But at the same time, uh, a fellow by the name of Mr. Are buying up farmland in Holland to be used in the future, and then there's also some talk about 
uh, a conflict uh, a little ways to the east of ne the Netherlands, where there's some farmland that, that they want to use to to produce food for Europe. I think it's called Ukraine or something. I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> I can't scroll that far. So th this is what's happening. These yeah. climate policies, these these ridiculous climate policies that make no sense, that are not scientific, that don't yeah. take into account regional differences, being blanketly applied all across the globe um, because we have to be net zero at all costs, are going to not just slightly lower our overall emissions, they're going to lower human impact, yeah. which is the which is the core of this this agenda. Mm -hmm. So now continuing on with the farmers, if the farmers are unable to keep farming, the government has said, we'll buy your land, we'll buy you out. And this has already happened to some farms. Some farmers have said, well, we can't farm under these conditions. So yeah, buy our land and we're out of here. They move off their farm into the city where the government wants them. And the governments are tearing the farms out and returning the farmland to, to nature in the name of Absolutely. biodiversity. Yeah. Well, guess what? They're being told by the European Union that they need to return 30% of their developed land back to nature in the name of biodiversity to stop climate change. Guess what they're doing in Canada? They're telling us we need to remove, remove uh, re return 30% of our developed stuff, including agriculture, back to na nature in the name of biodiversity to prevent climate change. Yeah. Sounds crazy, right? It's not crazy when you when you when you consider the other things they're doing. Now they're talking about this is a real thing spending 25 billion dollars per year to block the sun's rays to lower uh, actually it's more than 25 billion pardon me it was 25 billion per degree to lower I'll see, the if, Earth's I'll see if i can call that up <laughs> i'm not even kidding i'm you cannot make this stuff up. No. this is science fiction in real life and the problem is there is no happy ending if we don't stop it the ending of this movie is a reduction of human impact. And the only way to reduce human impact is to reduce humans. And it's happening in Europe. If it's happening in Europe, it's coming to Canada. So when I see people, you know, bickering about equalization or um, our taxes or, yeah. you know, I don't like this politician because this or whatever, it, makes my head want to explode because the big picture here is so much bigger than these little irrelevant differences that we have. This is like a, some of us believe in the sanctity of human life. I was reading this book called fossil future by a, a fellow named Alex Epstein Epstein. Mm -hmm. And he's about my age. I think he might be a year younger than me, right? No, I think he's younger than me. but he wrote this book and a couple others. You can check this out at alexepstein.com. Um, another good website to go to is energytalkingpoints.com, and he discusses a lot of things in this book. So what Alex is saying, uh, he's a philosopher from Laguna Beach, California, of all places. And Alex, in his book, lays out a very logical and well-thought-out argument as to why, if, if we're concerned with what we should be, which is human flourishing, the human species flourishing and surviving, we need, we must use more fossil fuels. And we must be expelling more carbon dioxide mm -hmm. if we want to flourish. It's all laid out in this book. And it's it's really amazing when you read it and you look at you read it in the perspective of somebody who who values human life. Mm 
right? Those who don't value human life, they don't want us to farm. They don't want us to have cows and steaks. They want us to eat crickets. They don't want us to fish. They don't want us to travel more than 15 minutes from our home. They don't want us to go on vacations while they're jetting around in their private jets. Uh, yes, they don't want to allow us to catch rainwater. In Prince or, Edward Island, they charged somebody GST on the electricity they generated from the sun's rays using solar panels. They don't yeah. want us to have anything because our very existence is seen as detrimental to this planet. Yeah, That's they, what we're fighting against. And they don't want uh, farms to have, what, more than four chickens or ranches? or Yeah. yeah. These, these new municipal bylaws that are all popping up at the same time with the same wording... Do you think yeah. these are things that those municipalities want? Do you think these are things that the constituents in Lacombe, in Lacombe County want or in mm -hmm. Edmonton? They don't want these things. These policies are coming down from external organizations and these politicians are signing on the dotted line because they think it's going to benefit them. Yeah. They think these are the things they have to do to get elected. And 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 that right there is all of the all the more reason to join an organization like the Alberta Prosperity Project and be counted as one of those people that wants to stand up against this, regardless of what political stripe you are. I mean, there's NDP supporters who are members of the APP. Absolutely. There's UCP yeah. members. There's Independence Party members. I don't think there's any Communist Party of Alberta members, but I could be wrong. We don't it, know. It doesn't matter your political stripe. What matters is we need to be pushing back against these outside influences that are putting these blanket policies on us that we didn't vote for. No. I wanted to show, there it is, block the sun, save the planet. The idea is that uh, sun's raised to limit global warming, warning, warming, and then they uh, they talk about, yeah, it's like a billion dollars per one centimeter or one, uh, one degree. What is that? Like, who came up with that? And why is that even a, a conversation? What could possibly go wrong with blocking out the sun? Carrie, what, what happens if we don't have enough sunlight? We lose our plant life. And then sure. up the food chain, sure. we eventually lose us. So if you look at some, some statistical kind of nerdy stuff, yeah. uh, a lot of it you can find in this book. Get this book and read this book. And check out energytalkingpoints.com. Um, there are studies that, that show quite plainly that as our carbon dioxide output goes up the warming of the planet goes up but it plateaus it stops yeah and these are the same models that are available to the scientists that are saying you remember when al gore said the world was going to be on fire by 2016 yeah i don't recall the world being on fire by 2016 it never happened not one of these apocalyptic climate whatevers came to pass because they're all fake every single one of them including this one including this idea that we have to block the sun's rays. Over the last uh, 50 years, the planet has greened. Now it's green mm -hmm. slightly, albeit, but it has greened. It's getting greener. We're able to grow food where we were not able to grow food before. The sea level has not risen and, uh, and taken out low-lying you know, low areas like the Maldives. Yeah. None of these things have come to pass, but we can grow more food. So it's almost as if, as human beings flourish and use more energy and expel more carbon dioxide, it's almost as if the planet has this response where it warms up a little bit so we can grow food in places we never grew food before. And if you start blocking out the sun's rays and dropping the temperature of the planet and reducing the, the air, air, arable, air, arable land, 
farmable land, yeah. we're not going to be able to feed as much people. Now, compound that with a forced 30% reduction in fertilizer, um, way less farms because nobody will be able to afford to farm again. And call me crazy, call me conspiracy theor theorist, whatever you want. I see it happening in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. They've done this to other jurisdictions, and Sri Lanka is one of them. You can look that up. It yeah. is coming to Canada. Yeah. And if we don't stand up against it and stop it, it, it's not, this isn't a winning combination. This isn't a path to human flourishing. This is a path to destruction. And when it comes, when we no longer have food security anymore, which is a very real thing that could happen. Folks, mm -hmm. for you out there watching right now, you should know that we are literally four days away from starving in this country. We have a just-in-time model of food delivery. And if that's interrupted or reduced in any way, we start seeing shortages. Gee, have we seen any shortages in the last three years? Yeah. What happens when people go hungry? What happens when they can no longer afford to buy food for themselves? Where do they go? They go to the government. And they say, government, help us. We need food. We need food. And the government helps them and says, okay, well, as long as you follow our rules, we'll make sure that you always have food. And the people, just yeah, like this chicken behind me, yeah. will take all the shit and abuse in the world, have their very lives threatened for a few handfuls of grain that the government throws. Now, your politicians in this, in this province, our politicians in this province, our federal politicians, they might not even have this on their radar because it sounds so out there. But I guarantee you that those folks sitting in uh, in uh, Davos and, and having their meetings about how they need to, we need to cool the planet and how we need to have this global government and a, and a one, world, one world government and a, and a digital currency and, and forced vaccinations and things like that. Yeah. I guarantee you that they know if the world is remains hungry, the world will be in submission. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I really, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to take some heck for this one. I admire the Dutch people because the Dutch people, not only did they build a country out of a swamp, that's the Netherlands literally means low lying lands. It was a swamp. They managed, they mastered their environment, mastered the climate there to the point where they are one of the world's leading food producers. And they do it incredibly well. And they brought that hard work and tenacity and technology to Canada and, and developed our farms here too. Not only are they like that, but when they got pushed to the point where they were starving and their politicians were taking away their sovereignty and their rights and their food, do you know what they did to their prime minister in the 1600s? Didn't they, they ate him? <laughs> yeah, they did. I actually stood in the place where they executed. Yeah. And... It's kind of an urban legend, but eight yeah. parts of their prime minister. Now, of course, I'm not advocating for that, but I'm I, just can't saying, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Whoever meets the road, the yeah. Dutch people will do burnouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I, the reason I brought the map up and we didn't even get into it is you were talking about, um, you know, the 30% uh, uh, fertilizer ban and, and they didn't even look at the region. Well, if you look at it, I mean, there's a lot of internal uh, or inner coastal, if you want to call it that, which would have a completely different uh, soil content than say all these little islands that are out here. Right. And I mean, that doesn't take a genius to figure that out. And, and likewise, when we were, were talking with 
Now, again, I forget her name, but the, the girl that you interviewed that uh, was also a farmer out there, she was explaining that uh, the, uh, uh, the water that comes in off of uh, a river that goes through Germany and, and you know, it picks up parts for per million of fertilizer that they've used there. By the time it actually gets to Amsterdam, it's higher than what the or, uh, concentration should be. So they're already fining the farmers and they have nothing to do with that. And yeah. they're not even backing it up. Yeah. And then they say that it actually has to be at such and such a parts per million by the time it gets out to the ocean. Well, as far as I'm concerned is by the time it gets out to the ocean, if you've ever swam in the ocean, you're pretty much uh, filtered as soon as you go into there with all the salt. So I don't know. There's uh, those sorts of things that to me seem to be um, almost, uh, almost so common sense. And yet the scientists are saying, no, 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 it's got to be this way for certain re ways or reasons. And then they talk to the government officials who then implement some, implement some sort of laws and, uh, and basically make it so that it's even worse. I hate government. <laughs> Have I said that before? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've all, we've all said that before, but I'll take that opportunity to remind people that yeah. it's not government that got us into this situation. No. I mean, our, our, the way our government is set up, it's not perfect, but it's, it's good. Like, it should work and it would work had we been involved, but we mm -hmm. haven't been involved. It's not the government's as a structure's fault that politicians have been cor become corrupt and are, are self-serving and have forgotten that they're serving us. It's yeah. our fault because we sit at home in the comforts that only a small percentage of the world enjoys. Canada is a very comfortable country to the point where we believe nothing can affect us and nothing can hurt us. And we allow other people to make decisions and chart our course for us. We give up our sovereign ability, our, yeah. our God-given right to choose our path forward as human beings. We give it up to other people. And then we complain when, when they do a bad job or we end up in a bad spot. And you talk to people from Europe. And they seem to understand much better than we do here in Canada with our comfy couches and our, our great food supply and our, you know, mostly decent health care and our, our social systems where we yeah. don't have to really worry about much. Yeah. We don't think about these things. But in Europe, I mean, in Amsterdam, I was at the house of Anne Frank where, where German soldiers literally took this young girl out of her home and put her in a camp and killed her because she was the wrong race. These things happen. They've happened for thousands of years across history. Yeah. If anybody believes that we're so enlightened now that these things won't happen again, I want to remind you that human beings haven't changed in 5,000 years. We are still the same greedy, lustful, envious, jealous beings that we were before. Nothing has changed. And if we allow those things to creep into our lives and to creep into the government and the authority that we've put over, allowed to be over us, we're going to go down the same path that these folks have gone before. And all you got to do is have a talk with like my friend Art. He'll tell you what it looks like when tyranny overcomes um, uh, the sanctity of human life. 
My friend Yasna, rest her soul, she explained that, and she explained that to the RCMP, mm -hmm. rest his soul as well, yeah. and uh, and and the AHS folks as they were imposing tyranny on my business, yeah. they could tell you exactly what it's like when you don't exercise your rights and you lose them. We yeah. don't know what that's like in Canada. And yeah. Canada, you don't want to know. In Alberta, so, you don't want to go. You don't want to know. So we got about five minutes before we have to leave. And I want to just touch on, uh, we had someone that we considered to be a famous European come to visit us in Canada. And, uh, but I guess according to uh, sources in the EU, she is not well liked or she is not really well known. But we had Christine Anderson come here. Uh, who is the member of uh, uh, the German uh, parliament there and uh, and the European Union. And she was the one that called out um, Prime Minister Trudeau. Let's see if I can quickly do this one just because I like watching it over and over again. Um, Prime Minister of Canada to address this house according to article 144, an article which was specifically designed to debate violations of human rights, democracy and the rule of law, which is clearly the case with Mr. Trudeau. Then again, a prime minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. And I wanted to bring that one up because um, we also, uh, what again, whatever happens out in Europe seems to be coming here, and they're they're talking about doing some sort of a uh, a ban on free speech and all that. And here we are with C11, which is the Act to amend the Broadcasting Act and to make related and consequential amendments to other acts, as well as the new C18 which is also an act respecting online communications platform that make news content available to persons in Canada. So with those two things on the horizon, you may not actually see Chris and I anymore on APP if that thing was to go, if that was to happen. I, I'm concerned about that as well, but it does, there is something in there that says something about not including social media platforms like ours. So I, I, think, I mean, I, I, think, I don't know enough about it to comment on it, but it doesn't I, sound good to me. The the thing is, is the platforms themselves actually have to police themselves. So that's what they're saying. So ah. the act itself is like this broad scope, but then they're going to go back and say, YouTube, you got to do this. And YouTube is basically doing it anyways. But well, if you go makes, back to it Facebook, makes sense. It makes sense yeah. because the internet and social media is, is the biggest media piece of the oh, pie yeah. by far Hard leaps enough. and bounds bigger than television yeah. bigger than radio yeah. um i can't have a radio station and express my views on the radio station because they don't conform to what the government wants me to say we and actually, that's a law like the crtc <laughs> they say i cannot have a radio station and express my views now they might say oh no we believe in freedom of expression and blah 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 mind you there is no such thing as free speech in canada people that is not a right we have we do not have the freedom of speech we correct. have the freedom of thought, religion, and expression. 
which should allow us to express ourselves in a verbal way, but we don't have that. I was going to say we can uh, express ourselves through dance. That's a great idea. I love it. <laughs> I'm a great dancer. Only when nobody's looking. That's right. So, yeah, those, you know, when, when you get into those sorts of things about free speech and, and again, not free speech, free expression, um, one of the things that comes back is APP's idea and philosophy of uh, a sovereign, um, if you want to call it a, a country or somehow to work within Canada. Um, well, the, way I, the way I would say it, Carrie, is yeah. Alberta needs to stand up and say enough is enough. Our That's premier true. right now is doing that to some degree. I mm -hmm. don't think it's enough, but she's doing something which is more than nothing. So Alberta either has to say or convince the federal government to leave us alone on these matters and yep. stop interfering in our business, allow us our sovereign jurisdiction is guaranteed under the uh, constitution. Yep. Or Alberta has to say, if you won't leave us alone and you won't treat us as a sovereign member state as we're, as we're supposed to be, then we're going to remove ourselves from this, this relationship. Yeah. If the federal government is not going to hold up their end of the bargain, why are we going to um, stay in the relationship? It doesn't make any sense. I agree. I'm just uh, scrolling back through the questions. If you have put a question in with uh, three question marks, again, when it comes down to the end here, um, that's about the only way that I can find something. So here's one. Have you heard about the goldbacks the states are beginning to use as alternate currency? Utah is one state that is already accepting goldbacks for payment. Is that more like a, a smart card kind of thing? Or is that actually? I think it's actually uh, currency with gold woven into the currency. I have some somewhere. Oh, seriously? Okay. So this is a real thing. I, I think it's cool. It's neat. It's neato. It's the bee's knees. That's what I think yeah. of it. Is it a solution? No, it's not. None of these things, none of these parallel systems are any kind of a solution. They're merely a Band-Aid to buy time until a real solution is found. Because I'll tell you right now, it doesn't matter what we think we're going to use as currency going forward. If the federal government in, in Canada says, we are no longer using a fiat currency, our currency is now digital, here's how you do it. You cannot pay your power bill or your Ford payment or yeah. your Ford repair bill or your Ford tow bill or a new yeah. engine for your Ford from, you know, Ford with <laughs> alternate currency. It sounds you, like you, you, can't, yeah, you, can't pay your, you can't go to your mortgage company and hand yeah. them a stack of gold backs or silver coins or gold coins or anything. Yeah. So it's either we do it or we don't. And if we because do it, which I think is going to happen, we have to they will. We have, yeah. go ahead. They will phase this in. They will phase it they in will. saying you're gonna get you're gonna get your income tax back through this government uh, central bank digital currency, or you're gonna get some other incentive. Maybe you'll get a uh, hundred dollars for getting a jab. I don't know. But then that money ends up being used elsewhere. And then guess what? They're gonna phase out all the existing cash until it's just that's the only thing you can have. Yeah, and you can't pay your mortgage with gold. You can't pay your mortgage with silver. No. And on the on that note, there's a lot of people say buy gold and buy silver, buy precious metals. If you want to protect your investments going through a transitional time or say like an industrial revolution or a technological or societal revolution, yeah. like what we're appearing yeah. to go through. Sure, yeah. that's OK. But yeah. that's just to protect your wealth for your day to day stuff. What does gold mean when a loaf of bread costs a thousand dollars in previous currency like in Venezuela? Does gold yeah. mean anything? Does currency yeah. mean anything? The yeah. only currency in times like that 
are food, medicine, and weapons. That's it. That is so very true. If it, you can choose to spend all of your time building a parallel system or something like that that you think is going to get you through this, but it won't. Because at one point, it doesn't matter if you go live in the country or you go live in the woods, you go live on crown land. At one point, if we don't stop it, the government and their authority will come for you and they will put you in the system. That's the way it is. And 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 any anything short of standing up and saying enough is enough and exercising our God-given rights and our sovereignty over our own lives is merely a band-aid, which is why no matter what political path anyone wants to take, if we're not having this conversation about provincial sovereignty in our areas of sovereign jurisdiction and the potential of a referendum on independence to remove ourselves from the tyranny before it comes for us, if we're not doing those things, then we don't really have Alberta's future in mind, in my opinion. One last thing, uh, Bonnie said, nobody can say that they have worked harder than our team and we have made results happen. She's part of the Western Unity Project. You have to start at the soft underbelly and go from there. It turns out it's easier to crack an egg from the inside than from the outside. And the APP membership have been integral to that. It's not one or the other, it's multiple fronts. And that's very true. That's why I Absolutely. said, you know, it, it needs the, the two sides. I'm going to... Uh, Put that down because otherwise it blocks my face. Um, so bon yeah. Bonnie's correct. There's a lot of different groups doing a lot of different things. Um, the group uh, Take Back Alberta has been extremely successful in getting people involved and engaged in politics mm -hmm. and having them use their voices and remove some tyranny of the day from the government. However, there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. And that's just one step. This is just one step towards an, an, an ultimate goal. And if you consider what has been accomplished with the current government, changes have been made, not enough changes. And even the premier has said, if this idea of standing up for Al Alberta's sovereignty doesn't work, the and then what is the Alberta Prosperity Project and its members standing mm -hmm. up and saying, listen, we need to get this referendum because we don't want to go down this path. If the federal government refuses to acknowledge Alberta's sovereignty, which we already have. And if you don't believe me, feel free to read the constitution. It's right in there. Yeah. Then we need to do something about it. We have a responsibility to do something about it. We have a duty to do something about it because there are millions of people, billions of people all across the world that look at Canada as a beacon of hope, a beacon of freedom and more so Alberta these days. We have a duty to be the place that protects that at all costs, yeah. that, that believes in protecting the sanctity of human life and human flourishing at all costs, even yeah. if that means standing on our own and standing up against the tyranny of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and getting back to just the uh, the quick sovereignty thing, if people don't realize that right now, as of like right now, we could basically have our own provincial uh, police force. We could implement our own pension plans uh, and and move stuff from the Canadian pension plan over to Alberta. Uh, we can handle our own immigration. We can handle our own employment insurance. And we can also do our own provisional tax collection. So those are things that we could be doing right now. But we've just kind of been lax about the whole issue. And uh, and then that's those are, those are things that are going to be coming up in the next election. So I'd advise you to 
to get out and and talk to people about these these important things. Make sure that uh, you you know get involved. And I've said this since day one: is the only way you can actually make any change is definitely to get involved. And uh, three years ago, there's no way I would have even thought I would have been anywhere near uh, a type of uh, APP sort of uh, group society. Uh, and yet here I am. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that people will, uh, will take that and, uh, and, and hopefully do something with that information and uh, become part of uh, either APP or some, some other sort of political party and make the change that you want to have happen. So I agree. And Carrie, I'd like to say thank you for getting involved because uh, I know that this isn't something you have to do. You could ride this out and you would be totally fine and probably happier for it doing karaoke and just having fun. And you're choosing Costa to do this because <laughs> I know you're choosing to do this because of the people yeah. around you who you've watched suffer. So I want to say thank you. That's right. And I also want to say thank you to all you other folks like Bonnie and 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 everyone else who has become active and tried to do something to make the world a better place. Thank yeah. you. Also, you're going to have to do the outro. I have to bail, Carrie, because I got to yes, set up for our next We'll do one. that, and I will jump over there. Thanks again, Chris, for, uh, for your time and your effort, and uh, I'm going to remove you. <laughs> okay. Have a good, good night. night. There we go. So, again, thank you uh, for everyone watching. Uh, I've got multiple tabs open here. Um, yeah, and thanks for staying online and watching and listening and commenting and questioning, and it's good. We do these uh, APP webinars every Wednesday uh, with new speakers and new information as we go along. Next Wednesday, I actually don't know what's going to happen because we actually haven't planned that far ahead. Sorry. We usually like to book one or two weeks ahead. But uh, likewise, if you want to get involved and you want to be a volunteer in order to do either the webinars or maybe get involved in doing uh, some of the events, uh, absolutely, our greatest commodity is the volunteers who have organized all of this. And without volunteers, we would not be in as many communities as we have been. And the volunteers organize these events. And, uh, and especially like if Chris and I are speaking, all we really do is show up and talk. So kudos to you guys for doing that. Um, and, and if you want more information about Alberta Prosperity Project, please go to the website, albertaprosperityproject.com, and you can find out everything you want, and you can find out what's happening in terms of events and uh, chapter events as well. And as for now, I'm going to sign off. I wish you a fabulous rest of your evening. We hope to see you at an event in person or online again very soon. I'm going to jump over to the whistle stop and uh, go online. And uh, so if you feel like following me, come on over. I'll probably have more than just this over there. Uh, take care and God bless everybody. Good night. Now I have to actually do some work here.